Private Nation. Purple and gold family. Stand to your feet. Put your crossbones up and lean side to side. Yeah, and lean side to side. Yeah, and lean side to side. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, welcome to the island, man, it's crazy in here A whole sea of purple and gold waving in here Keep a plank for the shark tank, traders beware Because we got a whole bunch of body sailors in here What is going on, Pirate Nation? Welcome into the Sports Objective, the Pirate Preview And the Pirates will be taking on the South Florida Bulls As they return to Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum A Sunday matinee, 1 o'clock tip-off uh, so you can get your tickets at ecupirates.com or by calling one 800 ecu Today, to preview this matchup, very excited to welcome back to the show the play-by-play voice of the USF Bulls, Jim Lighthall. Jim, we appreciate your time this afternoon. Always a pleasure, Bubba. Thank you guys for uh, for having me again. Yes, sir. Um, you know, as you take a look at this matchup, two teams that are in desperate need of a win on the Pirates have lost three straight, 10 and eight overall, one and four in the American South Florida, seven and 10, zero and four. However, I know Brian Gregory's ball club has actually been playing some pretty good basketball. Yeah, very good basketball. Don't have a lot to show for it right now. After an zero and five start in the non-conference, uh, all close losses. Uh, they went, they won seven of eight, got to conference play, uh, went to Memphis and lost a close game there, had a big lead in the second half. Then, Back-to-back four-point losses at home to Temple and Wichita State had uh, second-half leads in both of those games and then went to number one Houston this week and had the lead in the second half there. Played uh, maybe their best game all season. The problem was it was coming against the number one team in the country and uh, ended up losing that one by six. Uh, Again, had the lead late and and scored more points against Houston than anyone did all year. Shot a higher percentage against Houston than anyone did all year. But again, didn't have anything to show for it at the end of the night. Yeah, as I look down the schedule for the Bulls, on of course the zero and five start jumped out, but then you won seven out of the next eight. And um, as I mentioned, even during the current four game skid, playing very good basketball. I know Tyler Harris, the Memphis transfer, a familiar name um, to East Carolina fans, obviously from his days uh, with the Memphis Tigers, and then he he also spent his season as a Iowa State Cyclone. But um, talk about what he's brought to the table, because I know he's averaging in excess of 16 points and had a career high 31 against number one Houston. Yeah, Tyler's been a great addition to this basketball team. We really needed a point guard, a veteran guy, uh, somebody that could score, somebody that could create a shot, somebody that could make a three-point shot, because the Bulls were dead last in the country last season in three-point shooting. So uh, let me go back real quick to the non-conference, and we played in Daytona against UAB, who I'm thoroughly impressed with. I think they're definitely a a team that's going to play into the second weekend in the NCAA tournament. Jelly Walker has been leading the nation in scoring, but we go back to that game. We were 0-4, lost to UAB by 15, but at that point, I thought the Bulls had played their best game of the season, and I thought Tyler Walker finally, or Tyler Harris, I'm sorry, elevated his game. Uh, I think he started 0-15 or 0-16, 0-17 from three, this season and he had never had a stretch worse than maybe uh over eight so he really struggled when he first started i think it was just one of those deals where he knew uh what his role was going to be maybe was pressing a little bit after that start and then they played the bulls played uab he made four or five threes in that game going against jelly walker one of those deals where he probably felt a little challenged playing against a guy that could potentially be an all-american and then tyler has taken off since then you know he's been making five, six threes in a game. He did go home to Memphis in the first league game and had no points in the first half, had 17 in the second half. But he had a tremendous game against Houston the other night, Uh, shot the ball like nine of 13 from the floor, five of seven from three. And, you know, he's 5'9", 150 pounds, and the kid is a total bulldog. He backs down to no one. Uh, He's one of those kind of guys when, when he's in your arena, you hate his guts. But when he's in your arena and he plays for your team, you love him to death. <laughs> and something else, uh, looking at um, USF's leaders, in addition to Tyler Harris, uh, Russell Tachua, I mean, seven feet, 280 pounds. Uh, he, he's just, he had 14 and eight against Houston. Prior to that, he'd gone 19 and 10, 20 and 12. So just a couple rebounds shy of three consecutive double doubles. Uh, he's second on the team in scoring, 11.3 points per game, and leads the team with 7.9 rebounds. Um, 
tell us about him and what he brings. So Russell's a, quite a unique story this season. Uh, he went home to the Cameroon. He's a Texas Tech transfer, originally from Cameroon. Went home to the Cameroon, as he's done uh, for many summers before this. And then his paperwork got messed up or lost or something had happened, and we couldn't get him back in the country. Uh, he was over there for a solid three months. Uh, the USF folks were calling um, their legislators, trying everything to try and get him back into the country. No one seemed to have a good reason other than his paperwork wasn't ready. Again, he had done this on multiple summers and never had any issue. He had not really been flagged for anything uh, by, and this was the U.S. government that wasn't letting him in. It wasn't a Cameroon deal. It was U.S. government. So he hadn't really been flagged for anything. It was just, hey, your paperwork is being processed. We'll get to it when we can get to it. So a couple different things along those lines. Here's a guy who's seven feet tall, 280 pounds. He's in the Cameroon with his family, and they're living in a small little house. He's got all brothers and sisters and relatives. This guy's got to eat. This guy has to work out. This guy has to play basketball, and he can't do any of those things in his hometown in the Cameroon. And really, his parents were even saying, can we get him out of the house? We can't feed this guy. He's eating everything we own. And so it was really becoming a problem for everyone, becoming a problem for USF because they didn't have him, a problem for Russ because he couldn't do the work he needed to do in the offseason, and then a problem for his family. So eventually um, the Bulls got in touch with a legislator who got in touch with someone with the immigration department and they finally found his paperwork. It was just, I mean, just one of these deals where it got buried, nobody could find it. He was at the bottom of the stack and then they, they pulled the paper out and went, oh, this, this should have been rubber stamp. This is, a, this is a no brainer. So they finally got him back in the country and this was, I mean, right before the season, maybe three, four weeks before the season started, he finally came back. So I give you all that backstory because of this. He's been playing great over the last month. And Brian Gregory has told us publicly and privately, this is what he would have been doing at the start of the season had he had the offseason to prepare. He needed the extra couple months to get back to where he was going to be, and now he's taken off. I mean, I don't know how he didn't get at least on the honor roll in the American Conference last week with back-to-back double-doubles at almost 20 points apiece. Uh, but he played very well against Houston. Uh, defensively, he's good. Offensively, he gets better, it seems like, every single game. And when he has touches on the interior, the entire offense for USF takes off. Yeah, Jim, that was one thing I was going to ask you about. It's, it's one thing you, you have a, a, a nice one-two punch with with Harrison and Tachua there. But um, it's another thing to have a one-two punch where you got a big big man on the inside and a guard on the outside. Maybe talk about a little bit of some of the actions and some of the, the plays or some of the sets or whatever that, that Brian Gregory tries to use to utilize those two as an inside-outside one-two punch. Yeah, that's a great question, TJ. And what Brian Gregory likes is he's old school. He comes from the Tom Izzo coaching tree. He likes to have a low post presence that can score. I know we're getting away from that in, in all levels of basketball, yeah. high school, college, and pro. He knows that too. But when you have a guy that can do something – down low you have to utilize him so they park him down on the block he will come out at times to the high post and catch a pass and they'll run stuff off of him he's shown over the last couple of games that he's also capable of putting the ball on the floor and going to the basket so sometimes those bigs on defense will relax when he's out think out on the high post just thinking he's going to hand the ball off and then boom he spins and he goes to the basket but what brian gregory wants to do is he wants to play inside out he wants to get the ball to russell chua down low get him a touch that's going to do one of two things you're either going to if you're going to leave him alone and go one-on-one -on -one with your big he's too big he's too strong he's too skilled with both hands or you collapse your defense and now you kick it out and that gives tyler harris an opportunity to make threes yeah so he's a back to the 90s kind of uh coaching offensive style, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All those great big men from the 80s and 90s, uh, he would fit in well. He's just in the wrong decade. Wrong decade, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jim, we appreciate you sharing that backstory because I had not heard about that. I'm glad um, that things worked out as smoothly as they did after, um, you know, after the issues there. I'm glad he is able to play the basketball uh, that he's playing for you guys. Um, and hopefully the Pirates will be able to find a way from our standpoint to, to minimize the damage because we are thin as TJ can attest on the, on the interior. And um, 
Ezra Asar, very talented East Carolina freshman, um, very athletic, but can get himself into foul trouble, which is one of the reasons he's only playing 19 minutes per game. Yeah, that's been a problem for a lot of teams that we face. And again, as I say, the, the direction that college basketball is going into, teams want guys that can shoot. They want their fours and fives to be able to step out and shoot. And if you put guys that are 6'8", you know, 220 against Russell Chiwa, it's going to be a long night because he just wants to back you down to the basket and score that way. He did it to Houston the other night, and they rotated three different guys on him and all th- two, of the th- two of the three had four fouls, and the other guy had three. They just couldn't handle it uh, at 280 pounds, and he is a solid 280. In Jim, addition, I was also, I was sorry, go ahead, DJ. Excuse me, but I was also looking at the, at the roster, and there's three or four players, I think about six deep, that average over eight points a game. Um, beside, we talked about uh, Tachua and Harris here, but of those other four players, who is that X factor that you think you know has, has that – that spark to really can come in to a game in, in, in Menji's and get 16 or 18 and, and, you know, be that X factor and, and, and somebody that we're going to have to watch out for. Yeah. I'll give you a couple different names and they were both brought in this year out of the transfer portal. One guy is a senior uh, that came from South Carolina by the name of Keyshawn Bryant. He played four years under Frank Martin. Of course, Frank Martin got let go. So he was looking for a new home. He grew up about a half hour, an hour from Tampa. So it was logical for him to come back to the Tampa Bay area and play. Bryant is about six foot six. He's a lefty and he can leap out of the gym. He's already been on SportsCenter a couple times this season for top tens with windmill dunks. I mean, there's no dunk that the kid can't do. First game of the season, he had 19. Then he had 10 in the second game. And then he kind of got hurt. He was a little nicked up and missed a few games. He's now, I think he missed about six or seven games. And since then, he started to come back and he's had a couple back-to-back point games. Uh, he can elevate, shoot the three. He's kind of a pogo stick jumper, doesn't have to stay on his feet very long, just comes down on the balls of his feet right back up again so he can block shots. And he loves to finish in transition. I, I'll tell you what, he wants to take the rim home with him every night, which is, a, I love that mentality. It doesn't matter who's in front of him, he'll try to dunk over him. So that's a guy. And he's played 100, you know, 110 basketball games in his career. And then the other guy is Selton Miguel, who's a transfer from Kansas State. Was kind of a defensive guy there. He's about 6'4", put together pretty well, solid 210, 215-pound guy. They really relied on him defensively because he wasn't a big scorer. He averaged maybe six or seven points a game. I think his career high was around 18 or 19. Well, he's come here, and he's really found two things. Number one, his shot. And number two, his confidence. Because at Kansas State, he was never a go-to guy. He was a third or fourth option. Here, and he's kind of been in and out of the starting lineup because he got a little sick and a little nicked up. They took him out of the starting lineup and brought him off the bench, and he had a couple 20-point games doing that. But he's found his three-point shot, which he, I think in the Big 12 last year, he went one for 18 from three. And now he's come here, and he's found his shooting touch, and he's provided some outside pop. Uh, but he's another guy that will lower his shoulder and go right through people, and he tries to get to the rim. So those two guys have really given them some offensive punch. Uh, again, Bryant's a senior, and Selton Miguel is just a sophomore. And then I think if you throw in a true, the true freshman, Ryan Conwell, who's from Indianapolis, who committed very early to USF last year, and everybody I've talked to around the recruiting circle said if he had not re- committed early, there would have been a bidding war for him because his senior season was tremendous. Like he ended up on the Indiana-Kentucky All-Star game. Uh, he was an All-State player. He's built. He looks, like a, he looks like a running back or an inside linebacker at 6'3", 215, and another kid that's not afraid to bang with anybody. So he's come in and been able to start some games at times. He comes off the bench at times. Miguel and Conwell will run the point when needed when Tyler Harris needs a break. They're very good interchangeable parts, and I think those three guys have been the key ingredients. Last time out for East Carolina, the, the Pirates' um, most lopsided loss of the season at Cincinnati, um, falling um, by 28-83-55 to to the Bearcats. Um, in that one, the Pirates were out-rebounding 44-27. to On the whole, the Pirates have really rebounded the ball um, fairly well at times this year, um, but and tell us about uh, how are the Bulls on the glass out, out, outside of Russell? Yeah, uh, they're very good. Um, 
they out-rebounded Houston, which not a lot of people do. Um, they have done a very good job on the glass here in the second half of the season. Uh, I think they kind of were still feeling themselves out with some of these new additions in the first half. And Brian Gregory is a guy that really prides himself on defense and rebounding because, again, uh, the Michigan State Tom Izzo philosophy, the rebounding is a huge deal. In American Conference play coming into the Houston game the other night, they were averaging 16 offensive rebounds a game, which is very impressive. Uh, you can win yourself some games doing that. Another guy that's that's really provided a spark on the glass, I think, is Jameer Chaplin, who's played more games in a USF uniform than anybody on the roster. He's up around 80. Uh, he's been with us since he was a true freshman. But he's a sneaky good rebounder. He can really jump. He likes to go to the offensive glass, and he gets a lot of putbacks that way. Bryant will get some rebounds. The guards are always willing to rebound. So I think as a whole, uh, this team is a very good rebounding team, and it, a lot of times it determines whether or not they win or they lose. Taking a look around the American, um, we're about a third of the way through the league play. Um, you know, Pirates having played, this will be their sixth game, uh, USF's fifth. Uh, obviously, Kelvin Sampson and Houston, number one in the country, um, 17 and one. But then you also you have Tulane, US, excuse me, UCF, and then Temple. Um, they're right there behind the Cougs, four and one. Um, Tulane had a little. Um, little bit of a struggle in non-conference play and probably more so than many people would have expected. But uh, them, the, the Knights, and Owls have been playing pretty good basketball. What are your thoughts on the way the league race is shaping up? Yeah, I really think it's Houston and then everybody else, and that's no disrespect to Tulane or UCF or Memphis. But, uh, you know, having seen Memphis a lot on TV this year and then we just played them this week, uh, they are just so tough. <laughs> It's, they just have tough kids. Uh, Marcus Sasser ended up with a career-high 31 against us, and they needed every point from him because they were going to lose otherwise. Uh, Shed, <clears throat> the point guard, is another incredibly tough kid. I just I like the kids that Kelvin Sampson recruits. He's not. I don't think he cares much about how many stars they have. He's looking for the proper fit, and, uh, and he has definitely found the kids. They're going to win him a ton of games. I, they're obviously going to be a contender for the national championship. We played Memphis. They're incredibly athletic. Uh, they're older than they've been in years past. Usually you got a bunch of young uh, five-star kids, four-star kids. They don't have that this year. They're very old. Um, they can turn it up on defense. That's how they beat us. They ratcheted up the defense over the last few minutes and ended up beating us. Uh, UCF has been a, a great surprise, I think. The previous year, they returned like 96 or 97% of their scoring and rebounding. They didn't do a whole lot. This year, they got some new guys. And all of a sudden, they're taking off. They beat Memphis again the other night. And then I had a chance to watch Cincinnati a couple of days ago when they played Houston. And uh, you know, they stayed within around 10 or 12 with them. Uh, I got to see Tulane on TV the other day against, uh, against Memphis. And, you know, I know they were really busted up there in the non-conference. He had a lot of guys out. Uh, Ron Hunter's a great coach. I, I, I love Ron Hunter. He just wins wherever he goes. Um, but now that everybody's healthy, I think they're going to start to take off. Uh, you know, and then I think the rest of the league is just really a great big jumbled mess. I think anybody can beat anyone on any given night. But here's the thing is that you better win your home games because it's so difficult to win on the road in this league that you better get the wins when you can. And that usually means at home. Yeah, that was something um, the Pirates uh, let a couple of games slip against Temple and UCF where uh, – we did a good job of getting to the free throw line, but we didn't convert once we got there and uh, lost to the Owls by two and then UCF by three. I've been there. We're, <laughs> we, we don't shoot free throws very well either, so it's very frustrating uh, when you're in a tight game and you're at home and you don't make free throws in those empty possessions. All it takes is a couple empty possessions, and next thing you know, you're going home with, with a loss. Jim, uh, we, as always, we appreciate your time this afternoon. But before we wrap things up, one other thing. I, I know your focus is obviously men's basketball, but um, football coaching change there in Tampa. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, Alex Golish, the new football coach, was the offensive coordinator at Tennessee. And, and obviously everyone knows what Tennessee did this season. Uh, maybe the best offense in all of college football. So I thought USF had a really difficult decision to make. Uh, Michael Kelly, the vice president of athletics, could go a lot of different ways with this hire. And uh, they were in on Deion Sanders. Uh, everyone here wanted Deion Sanders. 
it was just a whether or not Dion wanted to come to USF or, want, or whether or not he wanted to go to the Pac-12 in Colorado. And obviously he, he chose Colorado. Uh, but I thought Michael Kelly had a, a very difficult decision because when you start to look at the few coaches that USF has hired through the years, they've run all the different gauntlets. I mean, they've gone with an established guy before with someone like Charlie Strong, and that didn't work. They tried Skip Holtz, who was at East Carolina and won some conference championships there. That did not work. Uh, They did try Willie Taggart, who had success at Western Kentucky, and he did fantastic here. And, of course, Jim Levitt was their first ever coach, and he was a defensive coordinator at Kansas State. Um, Jeff Scott was an offensive coordinator at Clemson. So you're bringing in an offensive guy from an elite program, and that didn't work. You, just, you don't know. You never know. You know, you know who's going to work. I mean, I think a lot of people laughed at Tulane when they hired Willie Fritz. But here's the thing about Willie Fritz. That guy's won every single place he's been. And he's adapted as well because when he got to Tulane, he brought with him a uh, an option attack. And then that evolved into what they are today, which is a really good football program. So Alex Golish is a, a guy that wants to go wide open. He wants to score. I'm all for that. I, I don't like to go to football games that end 17 to 14. If you're going to lose, give me 47 to 45, and at least the, the people that paid their hard-earned dollars to get in the stadium are going to be entertained. But this guy has really worked hard already on the recruiting trail. He's hit the transfer portal very hard. And here's the advantage that this football program has over a lot of different places is that there's a lot of kids in the Tampa Bay area that go on to play Division One football, and they go on to play at high levels. And not all those guys pan out. So a lot of times they come back home, and that's how USF was really built when they were a one AA program. They took a lot of uh, Division One transfers that came back home uh, from you know elite programs, and then they got really good really fast. So if he can turn some of those kids into stars here, look, there's no place to go but up for USF football because it has been really a rough last three years. Hey, Jim, I've got one more question for you. Um, I don't know how many times you've been to Greenville, but Coach Larry Dixon was on uh, Coach McCarthy's staff back when I was a high school coach in the, the area, but he actually uh, recruited and they offered uh, one, of my, one of my kids that, that, that played for me. So how much do you lean on Coach Dixon when you come back to Greenville to give a lay of the land and where to eat and <laughs> what to do and all those types of things? Well, it's funny because uh, we always joke that uh, everybody wants to go to Hooters because it's usually right across the street from our hotel and for other reasons. But, um, yeah, uh, we we do lean on Larry. He talks very fondly about his days at East Carolina. And I love to get to the arena a little bit early when we go to East Carolina because he's working the room. He kind of goes around and talks to everybody that he knows there. And Billy Hubley, who is our guy in charge of video, was also on the East Carolina staff for a long time. And he talks about uh, all the fond times that he had there. And he usually gives us some hints as to where we can go if we have a few extra hours there. So those guys talk very, very well about East Carolina, the Greenville community as well. Uh, what a tight-knit group that is and what a tight-knit community. I love coming to Greenville. I, we, we, we play great games against you guys. They're always close. They're always down to the wire. They're entertaining. And as a broadcaster, that's all I ask for, really. That's right. Some Another name on this USF staff that I was just look, looking at uh, – and as I was scrolling through the information prior to the interview, and I know you'll recognize this name, TJ, uh, James Madison. Um, yep. Lewis Ray, Rowe. Uh, yeah, Lou, Lou Rowe. Lou Rowe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Lou Rowe came on last year. He uh, was a head coach at one time, yes. He's a Tampa Bay Area guy, so he's come back home. And, uh, you know, once these guys leave and come back, they realize, wow, you know, I don't ever want to leave again. Because once we joke, once you get your toes back in the sand, there's you don't want to leave. Uh, but he's been very happy, and uh, man, he's a wealth of knowledge. A great college career, uh, played a lot of pro basketball as well, and the, the players have really leaned on him because look, they want to get to the next level as well. They want to go make money, whether that's in the NBA or if it's overseas. And Lou Rowe has done all that before. Yeah, the the last time we were in the NCAA tournament was the 1992-93 season, which we're coming. We're, we're at 30 years now which is just blows my mind to think about that it's been 30 years but uh Lou Rowe and and some of those James Madison's teams that's who we ended up beating in the the CAA championship to win our our berth and that he was a part of some really good teams for sure yeah he was a Florida guy who transferred to James Madison yep yep so uh we love Lou he's he's a great guy to hang around 
Now, one of those early round upsets that JMU pulled in the in the big dance wasn't it? Um, didn't they beat the Gators? Maybe I want to or I can't remember. Maybe, I I can't, remember. Yeah, I can't remember. That was yeah, ninety four, ninety five. I think it was they they went the year after I believe okay. the CAA. Yeah, couldn't remember. It was one of those things. Knowledge was running together there, but uh, maybe <laughs> maybe he had. Uh, I knew there was some tie to the University of Florida there, but uh, anyway, it's been appreciate 30 years, so we forgive you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, appreciate the time, uh, Jim, and uh, you know, tell folks. Uh, you know, sometimes you know, pirate fans may like to hear the uh, the opposing side and des- description of things. Uh, how can folks hear you? Well, so uh, we've kind of gone on streaming, and we go on an HD two channel now as well. So. Really, the best way to listen to us is to go on the TuneIn app and uh, click on Bulls Unlimited. It's a 24-7 channel that we have for USF Athletics. Uh, we stream the men's basketball games on there, the women's basketball games. And it's been a – we were a little leery about it at first, but the way terrestrial radio has kind of gone, uh, it's kind of been dying off a little bit. So we switched to the streaming and uh, at first, the the non-tech people were a little upset with us, but it took them about a year, and then they realized, wow, I can hear this anywhere I go in the world, and it's crystal clear, and now they love it. So um, the TuneIn app is an app that you can put on your phone, obviously, and uh, uh, just find Bulls Unlimited, click on us, and uh, and we'll be there. It'll be it'll be nice and crystal clear. It's been it's been a nice marriage for us, really. Now you mentioned in the streaming, um, you know by the nature of your job, um, you know, with the ESPN plus broadcast, um, that streaming side of things, um, you know, how readily available are those numbers? And I, I just thought of that question because that's something that Kyle Barber and I, one of our co-hosts here on the program have talked about because of East Carolina's, um, you know, fan base, especially in football and uh, baseball, um, tuning in um, via ESPN plus. Yeah, uh, honestly, I don't know too much about the TV side, uh, how that's doing. I know on our streaming numbers on the basketball, it's gotten better every year. And really the main reason for that was when we first started uh, with Bulls Unlimited, which was about six years ago, we were doing Bulls Unlimited and we were on regular radio. Uh, There were a lot of people that didn't have unlimited data on their phone. Like I was a perfect example here. I got two kids and a wife and we're sharing you know, 10 or 15 gigs and we're burning through that in no time. And then we're up to 30 gigs and we're burning through that. And finally we had to go unlimited. But I had a lot of people saying, I don't have that kind of data to just listen to the game the whole night. So I can't listen to it very much. Well, now, you know, the unlimited data is kind of a, a, a staple for most people. So I think that's one of the reasons why our, our listenership has gone up more and more on the streaming side. Yeah, and that's definitely um, been awesome that. <laughs> We've progressed to that point um, because, like TJ said, I remember, you know, back when I was, um, you know, middle school and and I guess maybe even early high school, um, I mean, you didn't really have an option to watch a game outside of one or two a year, and you were reading recaps in the newspaper. Yeah, and we don't even hardly have newspapers anymore. (laughs) Exactly. God bless technology, right? But um, (laughs) appreciate you as always, Jim, and I know we'll be catching up soon. Yeah, sounds good. I appreciate it, guys. Always a pleasure. Yep, good talking to you. Really appreciate the visit there from Jim Lighthall, the play-by-play voice of the South Florida Bulls. And um, for anyone who's tuned in, obviously T.J. Long, East Carolina basketball alum, is alongside, as you see there on the screen. T.J., we haven't talked to you in a while. Um, I think this is the first time we've talked to you this season, actually. So, you know, through the first – half of the season um what are your thoughts on uh, what you've seen out of mike schwartz and the pirates they play hard that's the that's that's the one takeaway i've i've been able to been really proud of of watching them play is how hard they play how they play defense um you know the system that they're running on defense has been really really impressive and has given us a chance to be in um you know most of the games except for the i guess what the wilmington game we didn't play uh, that great, and, and um, old, old Dominion in the second old, half. Yeah, Old Dominion, and then the uh, obviously the Cincinnati. I think at one point they were what eleven of fourteen shooting threes in the in the first half and shot uh, what fifty five or sixty percent from the three point line. I know Coach Schwartz was not happy with uh, with that, but I've been real impressed with how they play defensively, how hard they play, 
how they work together, how they're in the, the right places on, on, you know, getting over on screens and, 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 and working the system that Coach Schwartz has put in place and been real impressed with him. I'm, I'm impressed with how hard he coaches. Um, he leaves every ounce of it out there, and that's a, that's a good thing to see. Yeah, with so many unproven pieces, even the six guys that returned, and you, you knew to an extent what you were going to get from Brandon Johnson and R.J. Felton. But outside of that, I mean, it's, it's been amazing. I, I know he's had some struggles of late, uh, that being Javon Small, but Javon um, played much better against Cincinnati, so hopefully that's a sign of things to come for him. But uh, even with some of his recent struggles prior to that game against the Bearcats, uh, he's averaging right at 16 points per game, um, just shy of five rebounds and just over five and a half assists. Uh, so a heck of a sophomore year for Javon Small. Yeah, and if you uh, think about it, Javon started coming on towards the end of last season. I was I was fortunate enough to be able to make the trip out to Wichita State, uh, the, I guess the last regular season game um, uh, last year. And um, through foul trouble and, and some other thing, in, injuries or whatever, uh, Javon found himself out there on the court pretty early in the game and provided a really nice spark. And I believe that game might have scored 11, 12, 13 points that game. And, and um, from coming, you know, a player that comes off the bench and hadn't had a lot of time or just played a few minutes, he responded really well. And so, you know, I think the last couple of games last year, he showed some signs and some glimmer of what he could what he could do. Now, you know, most of the time you don't expect a player to go from, what, one and a half points a game to 16 uh, points a game. But I think you can see it a little bit in some of the last couple of games that he played. Yeah, he did show a few glimpses, as you said, in the last few games of um, the 21-22 season. And something else we didn't know he had it in his arsenal is uh, I think back to the first few games of this season, remember, I think he had the ball on the left wing or in the left corner and shot fakes and took it baseline and, and threw one down. Yeah, yeah, really explosive, a really explosive play. And again, from a guy that you haven't seen that that much, uh, you know, that much from, it really raises your eyebrows. And and I, one of the NFL owners when he's talking about scouting goes, if a guy can do it one time, he can do it again. So hopefully, you know, that that's a, something that we can see. He, he adds that into his game with his three-point shot and the in-between game that he's shown. You know, and then if, if he gets back to finishing at the rim, he could be a real, real dangerous combination for us. Early on in that conversation with Jim Lighthall, we referenced Brandon Johnson. I actually, I believe it may have been um, backstage in the green room, but Brandon, 12 and a half points, uh, nearly nine rebounds per game. And right off the bat this year, we saw his improved range. Uh, and with the new haircut, you know, I told you, I, I was like, who, who in the heck was that? Uh, knocking down a 27 or 28 footer. And um, then about that time, they said Brandon Johnson, uh, old Patrick Johnson on the ESPN Plus broadcast. But uh, what are your thoughts on BJ? Yeah, I think he's I think he's had a really a really solid year. Um, double doubles all over the place. He's rebounded the ball well. He's playing tough on on defense. And then this year, he's um, you know he's added the, the three point line to his to his game, and, and he shoots a nice ball. I've watched it come off of his fingers. Watch his follow through. You know, sometimes you can see some guys can throw it up there and. Um, you know, they can get lucky a little bit, but try to watch the form and see what it looks like. And his, his form has been good and, and the ball has been true coming off of his, off of his fingers. So, um, I like his shot and I've, you know, I think they probably want him shooting a little bit more, you know, Brandon could probably be a little bit more aggressive for us and he might be being a little too unselfish and go ahead. A lot of times we throw the ball down into the post to go ahead and turn and shoot, go ahead and make your move. Cause I think he has a really nice touch around the, around the rim as well. Yeah, he really does. And um, a guy who has really impressed as a freshman in many respects, that's Ezra Asar, um, a Charlotte native. Um, he struggled to shoot free throws, um, to, to put it mildly. But, um, but man, his quickness and um, just some of the explosive moves he makes. Um, I, I remember I had the opportunity to see the South Carolina game in person, and there was a move there in the second half. Um, and if you were able to – tune in to that one uh, he, he about took the rim off yeah he's he's an impressive uh young player and again we, we we were talking earlier with jim about you know transfers and portals and and how all those things shake out and um certainly he's a freshman that i hope that we can 
that we can keep and that we can develop because he has an opportunity to be a really good player uh, here for us at, at ECU and, and develop into something really special. RJ Felton a year ago, um, we certainly saw more from RJ than we did Javon, but um, not a ton of scoring from RJ. But this year he's right at 11 and a half points per game in the third pirate in double figures, averaging also about four and a half rebounds per game. And um, as we saw, I guess it was at, at the uh, Minji's Madness, uh, his leaping ability um, when he jumped over Lucci DeBeau. Yeah, now he's a specimen. He he looks like you know. I, I imagine Coach Houston could find somewhere for him over on the on the on the football field um, as well, tackling somebody or going after somebody. He, he's a good looking kid and a uh, young man, I should say. And he, um, you know, he he does a lot of things. He, he's a little bit undersized. He you know, but he rebounds the ball well. And I think for him, he needs to just relax and, and and take a shot when he gets it. I feel like sometimes for him, he gets a little spun up or maybe a little bit, um, you know, wants to move quite before he's got the ball and that type of thing, and that he just needs to relax and, and play because he's got a lot of tools that that could benefit the Pirates going going forward. Yeah, I'm a very streaky shooter. In, in one game, he'll go one out of five. In the next game, he'll, he'll knock down – four or five, and in one game this year, he knocked down as many as seven threes um, during the month of December. So, um, you know, if, RJ, if RJ's hitting – if is making three, four threes in a, in a game, you know, we're, we're going to be a tough team, tough team to beat because we're going to play D, and that's that's that X factor that you talk about. If he comes in and knocks down, knocks down three, four – uh, threes gets 12 or 14 points. Now all of a sudden, if we get the same consistency with Brandon and and Javon, now now we've got something that we can that we can work with. And so I think that that's a like I said, if RJ will relax. A lot of times, play you know shooting threes and the crowd and running up and down and being explosive, you have a tendency to you know to stop breathing and get a little bit tight and, and do some things. I think just just breathe and relax and 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 he really has the tools that he can do some good things for us. Another guy that has really provided something for the Pirates, Iowa State transfer, Jaden Walker. Uh, we, we talked about Tyler Harris um, spending a year there in Ames, Iowa. I'm not sure. I, I guess their time may have overlapped with the Cyclones, but uh, just thought of that connection. But Jaden Walker, uh, really you saw his absence and uh, what what that meant for the Pirates against Cincinnati. Uh, he's averaging six points, five rebounds, um, and playing, I think, the fourth most minutes on the tw- team, uh, 26 and a half per game. Yeah, and the game before, I believe it was that the Temple game, he came in and did a you know really nice, really nice job. Uh, he gets rebounds, was, you know, playing really good defense, um, was knocking down some shots and 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 yeah, his his absence was 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 noticed before. And so yeah, again, I, I think I think we've got some really nice pieces. I think Coach Schwartz has done a great job of of Putting together, uh, bringing in, bringing in some players, and of course inheriting some players who were here, and, and has done a nice job of putting those those together. You know, we've been in most games, so um, you know most of the time it comes down to the shooting and balls rolling around the rim and coming off. We just got to find a way to get the ball in the hole, and um, you know if we can do that and shoot a little bit better, the the other the the effort, the intensity, the defense will give us a chance to win a lot of games. Yeah, I really thought that um, Jaden Walker, even though he hadn't scored very much at all um, for Iowa State, I liked what he was bringing to the table from a rebound and defending perspective. And you heard Mike Schwartz say a lot about that and uh, him having games against, I think, Kansas where he pulled down maybe double-digit rebounds. Um, and that was saying a lot. And uh, he was on a team that went to the Sweet 16. Yeah. Yeah, so – you know, like I said, I think I think we've got the got the parts there. Um, it takes a little bit of time, but I, I like the way the guys are coming together. And you just got to find a way to to you know to gut it out. But like I said, we've been in games, and you know the Temple game, where we were what, twenty of thirty five from the free throw line. You know, we can't we can't keep inventing new ways to lose a game. Which, if you think about it, you know we haven't been that bad on the free throw line all year. And if you just you, you know you make three more free throws, 
and you only shoot 60% from the free throw line, we win that game. And so, yeah, um, having some consistency there um, and, and you know, ha- having the guys continue to, to work together and, and um, learn the system and those types of things, you know, I, th- I think we can – I think the future can be bright for us. Yeah, losing those and at least not getting one of them. Uh, but the yeah. Temple and UCF games, uh, as you mentioned, the Pirates got to the line against the Owls 35 times but only made 20 in that two-point loss. And uh, that was one, especially with Temple uh, being without the very talented Damian Dunn that yep. you hate to, hate to let slip. And then, and then obviously, UCF, um, Brandon Suggs, at least um, – Scoring-wise, I mean, he didn't do a whole lot uh, in, in his return to Minji's. But um, UCF, Johnny Dawkins' ball club, has some nice pieces. Yeah, yeah, they did. And, and um, yeah, I watched that a little bit, you know, with Brandon. That had to be, you know, kind of kind of weird. He done a lot. You know, you, you and I talked about Brandon and, and through text and, and other things that we liked a lot of the things that he did, um, you know, most of the time, he wasn't going to. You weren't going to see twenty-five points on, on the stat sheet, but you were going to see rebounds, assists, steals, um, finishing at you know finishing at the rim, charges, all those types of things that he did. That he did a lot for and did a lot for the program. And then you know if you transfer within the conference or you transfer to a to a school that that you know to a to a rival, you know you're going to have to kind of deal with that through the uh, the emotions of everything when you come back. Yeah, I know, uh, I guess it was in the second half of, of that game, um, Ezra Saar had the ball just beyond the free throw line and was making a move, and it wasn't much at all. And uh, you can tell Suggs is a veteran, and pretty nice acting job and got the call. Yeah, man, and that's what, that's what you know, Brandon is crafty and, and, and does a lot of those things. And did, like I said, did, did a lot, lot of nice things uh, for us. So that's, that's tough to watch somebody come back. Um, in the Menjis wearing a you know UCF jersey. Shifting gears a little bit, sticking with pirate basketball, but um, you know fast forwarding out uh, old five or six weeks to the end of February, and we're going to have um, an alumni game. It's 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 not an actual game that the alumni are playing. Just to be clear, because I did, uh, it's funny. I sent a message to Errol Bing, making sure that he had received it, and he had not. But uh, er- Errol was. Uh, was asking that, clarifying. I said, no, uh, it, it's just uh, just to attend the game, Errol. And he, he said, good. He said, because I need 11 or 12 weeks to get ready. <laughs> yeah, well, at one point in time, we used to do this um, back when Coach Harrion was here when it first started. It started as an, a, an alumni basketball game where we chose sides and and played. And, you know, it was ugly, uh, to be honest. Um Especially, you know, some of the guys still play. They play a lot. I mean, Lester Lons. I mean, I, I, I would think Lester could probably go out and and start for us today. I might be giving him a little bit too much credit. He is he is fifty years old after after all. But you know, he he wouldn't be far from it and can still go out there and get some buckets today. And then you've got, you know, you've got some other folks who, you know, might be talking to you right now who hasn't done a whole lot of running um anytime lately and so yeah you end up hurting all week the next week after the alumni game so yeah we actually did it as alumni game but you know coming in and doing that that gets to be a little bit tough so we just call it the alumni game and um it is february 25th and oh by the way it's against the current number one houston cougars so that will be fun and so we're trying to get the word out about that we've been um talking a little bit with the administration they've been um real open to, you know, trying to reconnect and get some of the Pirates back and doing what they can to invite the former uh, letter winners back to, to Menjis and make it a, you know, make it a family and make it a brotherhood like it, like it should be. Absolutely. And um, also that weekend, uh, you, you talk about that game being against the current number one team in the nation uh, with Kelvin Sampson's Houston Cougars. Uh, you have Pirates softball that's at home uh, that weekend with the, a tournament, a multi-team event, as is often the case in that sport early in the season in particular. And then in baseball, uh, that will be game two of the Pirates' three-game series against um, the University of North Carolina Tar Heels, um, two o'clock for the baseball game and then eight o'clock for the basketball game against Houston. Yeah, that's why we call it G Vegas, right? I mean, a lot lot of things, a lot of things happening, a lot of things going down and 
a big weekend for ECU athletics. And um, I'm, I'm hopeful that there'll be a really nice turnout of, uh, of letter winners, former basketball players. Uh, there'll be a, a, a meal in the Harvey Hall for, for them. And uh, then some on-court recognition down at halftime. So I'm really excited to see some of my, my former teammates and, um, and have a good time. And I know one of those things um, with that pregame at Harvey Hall, uh, there's there's generally a chalk talk on where an assistant coach will come in and provide a bit of a scouting report. Uh, obviously, not much of a scouting report is needed for the Houston Cougars. Um, obviously, um, some some Pirate fans may not be as familiar with some of the names, but uh, they're well aware of uh, what Kelvin Sampson has going on there in, in H-Town. Yeah, that's one of those scouting reports where you go, hey, you know, you need to highlight this or highlight this player or highlight – and, and next thing you know, you look at your your sheet and the whole thing is is highlighted. So that, that's what you get when you get the Houston Cougars. Just, uh, you know, everybody has a star beside their name. Everybody has an asterisk beside them. And and so, yeah, you just got to you got to buckle up and, and play. But it'll be fun. I, I, at one time we were 10 and 0 on alumni. I think we got to 10 and 0 on alumni letter winners game before we lost. But our record on letter winners day Again, I'd have to go back. I started talking about it before I know it off the top of my head. But we haven't lost very many games on on letter winners um, on the letter winners weekend. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Um, Pirates generally play pretty well on that weekend, as you said. I'm trying to remember last year uh, who that game was against. Uh, I want to say, was it Temple or? Yeah, last year they were trying to do some things. There was some. There's been some communication and. You know, with with everything that was going on, we you know, we it, it didn't really get, um, I don't know, promoted or um, there was a lot of things that were that were happening last year. And then you know, with COVID, there was a couple of things there. It, it kind of was still trying to get regenerate itself um, from that. And so, um, yeah, but I do know, like I said, I, I think at one time we had only going all the way back to Coach Harry in like two thousand two or three that we had lost, um, you know, maybe three or four times out of however many years um, that's been. So it's always exciting to see the guys and and hopefully we can continue to play well on uh, alumni weekend. And there you see um, the information on the screen for our viewers and that are, that are tuned in via Facebook and YouTube. And um, very quickly, I'll read through some of this uh, Schedule of events that TJ has mentioned, um, but it says um, this is from the ECU Letter Winners Club Men's Basketball Letter Winners event on Saturday, February 25th, 5.30, meet in Williams Arena, um, the Hall of Fame area to check in. Then from 5.45 to 6.30, you have the Letter Winners Social. 6.30, as TJ mentioned, dinner in Harvey Hall, watch warm-ups in Menji's, 7 o'clock. Uh, recognized in Harvey Hall, and then eight o'clock to tip off against the Houston Cougars, who know, um, who we know uh, could very well be number one in the nation, probably at least top five or top ten coming in that weekend. And it says, um, um, it says more information regarding timing and logistics will be released to those who RSVP by February twentieth. I know several had RSVP'd, and then there were some issues with the link. So if you're a basketball lead winner listening to this, um, I'm sure by now that that link has been um, fixed. So we'll put that on our social media and attempt to uh, get it into all Pirate Basketball Letter Winners' hands. So hopefully uh, your schedule will allow you to attend on February 25th. Yeah, like I said, we look forward to a great event. And, you know, being that I'm here in Greenville, a lot of times I try to get the word out on those types of things as much as I I can. And we actually have a, a, a group text of guys that played during the 92, 93, couple of them, maybe 91, uh, some overlap there. There's about 17 guys that uh, text every morning. One of one of our former players sends out a, a Bible verse or something like that every every morning. So there's you know, 17 of us that communicate um, daily. And so, yeah, we've we've had a brotherhood, um, you know, a, a long time, a longstanding brotherhood. And and so we kind of want to bring bring the new guys in and, and, and kind of share that. Cause I think that's one thing that's been, been missing around, you know, with ECU basketball. And of course, you know, the, the, the wins have been tough, tough to get at times, but you know, the, the, you know, the players and the relationships and all those kinds of things are great, great memories. And we enjoy being around each other and, 
Of course, we have a special bond being this is, like I said, the 30 year uh, anniversary of our NCAA tournament uh, team. And so we've been able to stay in touch and the guys get together and, and we have a good time together. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Um, we'd love to uh, do a show specifically for you guys. So I'm, I'm, I'll certainly get up with you off the air and uh, we'll we'll get uh, yourself and Leslie Lyons and uh, Curly Young, some of those 1992-93 guys, Ike Copeland, and uh, we'll, we'll reminisce, take a trip down memory lane. And uh, you, you guys, I went to Lawrence Joel Coliseum um, and took on the eventual national champion, North Carolina Tar Heels, and uh, really gave them all they wanted uh, there uh, with, I think, about three minutes to go in the game. It was a 12-point ball game, and the way Lester Lyons was shooting the ball that night, you, you felt like, hey, um, if uh, you get a couple stops, then this thing could really get interesting. <laughs> Yeah, we were we were uh, it was about a eleven or twelve point game at the under four minute uh, timeout. For those that might not know, every every dead ball after after four minutes, there's a automatic time uh, a media timeout. And so at the the last media timeout, four minutes left to go in the game, it was a eleven or twelve point game. We had to foul and come down and try to throw up some threes. I mean, we could hold the ball and say, hey, we we lost by twelve, or you know, continue to to fight and try to try to win the game and do the best we could. And so, you know, we had to take a couple of uh, ill-advised, you know, long shots or whatever to try to – and foul to try to get back into the game. So, but, yeah, it was a great, great experience, something we'll never forget, that the run up in Richmond for uh, three days of winning the CAA tournament was was awesome. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was that was certainly a, certainly a great experience. Kind of a funny story very quickly about that game um, – Johnny Gardner, one of our loyal listeners and a, a very loyal supporter of East Carolina basketball, was there that night at the Lawrence Joel Coliseum in Winston-Salem. And he said, you guys were leaving the court, headed to the locker room after warm-ups. And uh, you know, he was understandably fired up and, and said – and Coach Payne was walking through the portal or tunnel there. And he said, hey, let's go get him, Coach. And that Coach Payne looked at him like, like he had four heads. <laughs> yeah, they were, you know, they were, they were so, so big. I mean, I, they were the national champion that year. And so, um, you know, they were, they were three, really three big. Footers, right? Yeah, they had three Montreal, seven. Salvador. Yeah, Montreal, Salvador, Matt Winstrom. Uh, Serge Swicker was actually redshirted that year. He's, you know, seven, six walking around and, I remember coming out for warmups. You know, we we came out first, and they came out. They came out in two lines. And I remember kind of getting to half court where the, you know, where the we were coming on our side of the court. They were kind of coming on their side of the court, and and I was I led the team out of the locker room when we would when we would come out uh, because we were, went from shortest to tallest. So there you go. But anyway, led the team out, and we kind of get to half court and kind of bumped into them and i remember having like two hip bones hit me on top of the head and that one of them was montross and one of them was was winstrom and i looked up and i was like man these guys are these guys are huge but it, that was one thing that made them good i'll tell you another thing that made them good was was george lynch george lynch could could play in, in that game anytime we we you know we, we'd start to make a little bit of a comeback or we would have a chance to get in the game or come down and get a we, – we'd force them to miss a shot where we could come down and do something with it. If you go back and look, that that offensive rebound that we just couldn't quite get secure, George Lynch got it and put it put it back up and in. And, you know, he might not have had 25 points in the game, but he carved a lot of people up and did a lot of a lot of things for, for that team. And he was one, one player I, I walked away probably most impressed with uh, with George Lynch than anybody. No doubt. And – before we wrap things up, I know this is the first time we've had you on in a, in a while, as I mentioned, and I, I don't think um, well, we'd exchanged a few texts, um, but don't think I had seen you since back in the jungle during the, the baseball nice regional team. or super yeah. regional uh, out there in the jungle parking lot. But uh, you know, what, what we, what's your takeaway from the eight and five football season? And then also maybe a thought or two as uh, the Pirates are projected to, of course, win the American again and will hopefully do so in baseball. Yeah, you know, really good football season and, uh, you know, really, you know, impressed and happy with Coach Houston and the work that he and his staff have, have done. Of course, Holton being the hometown, you know, hero. Holton was a, was a, 
young man was really pulling for. He was he was a guy that could have gone to other places and chose to stay and was just really happy to see for him to get the eight five, get the bowl win and kind of bring us back to the the place that we're that we're used to used to being and you know eight wins and nine wins and 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 ten wins and giving us a chance to kind of build off of that and and, and have that type of program. So yeah, I was really, really happy about that. Um my son plays plays football, and so there were some games I was I was unable to attend as many games as um, as normally as I normally would. Uh, he plays football over at Barton, so that was a nice drive. But there were a couple of, of conflicts I was was unable to see as much of um, uh, football as in a normal normal year. But yeah, was really um, was really pleased to see us get back and look for big things in the in the future. And of course, you know, Coach Godwin just keeps doing what he does in, in baseball and really excited about that and hope that, you know, every year, you know, was it the saying hope springs eternal and uh, this is, this could be our year and, and to, to get to Omaha, you know, that would be, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it really would. Um, it's just a matter of time. You know, it's such a shame last year where we uh, won game one and then had that seven to two lead in game two. Um, I guess it's the seventh inning. I, I just remember, I want to say it was after the sixth inning, uh, a buddy of mine from a, a that's uh, it's an App State fan, text me and said, hey, uh, you feeling pretty good? You feeling Omaha? I said, I said heck no, I'm not feeling Omaha. No. I, I, said, <laughs> I, said, I said, that's not anything against our guys because I, yeah. I, mean, I fully believe that we could close it out. I just knew yeah. I just knew how hard those final eight or nine outs are to get. Uh, I mean, that's and, knew, and who we had to get about against. I mean, exactly. te- you know, Texas, yeah, that, that, that was that's tough. No, you don't. Yeah, I'm I'm never overconfident in right. in any of those situations. No way. Um, seen seen too much. Um, not only East Carolina, just just sports in general. Sports I'm just in not, general. Over, not over until it's over, especially in a a game of that magnitude. But um, before we get out of here, um, since you brought up Holton Aylers in the year Holton had, I wanted to mention that tomorrow. Uh, January fourteenth, he'll be playing down in Orlando in the Hula Bowl. Obviously, during COVID, I believe that, that's when the Hula Bowl was moved from the islands uh, to Orlando. It's played at the Bounce House uh, there, FBC Mortgage Stadium on the campus of UCF, and uh, that will be televised. I believe it's a noon kick on the CBS Sports Network. So, uh, either set your DVR if you're around the house and check out Holt Nailers on Saturday afternoon. Uh, TJ, do you have anything else before we get out of here? No, just uh, hope the Pirates can get a win. Uh, win on Sunday, and it's it's been good. Uh, good to be here and and visit with you. And yeah, no, I think I do think there will be a lot of uh, basketball uh, letter winners to make it back in, later in February. And of course, we're trying to work on some things to get them get some of the guys to come back and um, you know come to Menjis and come out and visit and see some people here even even before that. So. No, that's it. Just hoping to, to for the pirate basketball to keep on, get a couple of wins here, and, and and get going. Definitely, uh, big one against the USF Bulls on Sunday matinee. Um, if you're able to head out to Minji's and get your tickets, ecupirates.com, or obviously and just get them at the, the ticket office. Headed into Minji's on Sunday afternoon, uh, but we really appreciate everyone tuning into the show. Um, Obviously, you can follow the Sports Objective on social media at the Sports OBJ on Twitter and then on Instagram and TikTok. We're at the Sports Objective. Uh, follow us and uh, like us on Facebook and also subscribe to our ever-growing YouTube channel where we're now over 700 subscribers. But for former East Carolina basketball um, alum, TJ Long, I'm Bob Rosenbaum. You've been watching and listening to the Sports Objective. Have a great weekend, everyone. And as always, go Pirates. You've been watching. Put your crossbones up and lean side to side. Yeah, and lean side to side. Yeah, and lean side to side. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome to the island, man. It's crazy in here. A whole sea of purple and gold waving in here. Keep a plank for the short tank. Traders beware because we got a whole bunch of body sailors in here. You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 
As always, we appreciate you listening to the show. And go Pirates! Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.